Welcome to This Week in Video Games episode 49. My name's Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week I've been playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake so I thought I'd have a look back at the history of the game. I've also been playing Gato Roboto, a cool little Metroidvania about a cat in a mech suit. I also sat down with Peter from Walkabout Games to talk about the stylish comic book inspired Liberated coming soon to Nintendo Switch. There's a jam-packed show, let's get to it. Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week and we're into week four or five of lockdown, I'm not really sure anymore, but it certainly feels like it's been a while. I hope you're doing well out there, keeping safe and keeping out of harm's way. And I've been taking plenty of breaks, getting outside to stretch my legs when I need to, so I hope you're doing the same, but at a safe distance of course. So I've been trying out a new kind of show called The News Roundup since we last spoke and this is a short form news show found in the same podcast feed and you all seem to be listening and enjoying the show so thanks very much for that. News used to be part of this show but I took it out and I think these little filler episodes work quite well as a separate thing so thank you so much for listening. Right, let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and I've been really, really enjoying it so far. I was hoping to review it on the show but I'm not quite through it yet so I thought I'd have a look at the history of Final Fantasy VII. What happened during the development, how much money it made and what it did for JRPGs as a whole in the western market. I've also been playing a cute metroidvania called Gato Roboto and this one has been on my radar for some time now since its release last year but it was recently added to Xbox Game Pass so I really couldn't say no. Plus, I think you'll really, really like it. I've also had Guardian Games in Destiny 2 and I've been playing a little bit of that, although Destiny 2 is not in a great place right now with the community going through their annual pains where we all have a look at the game and send our feedback to Bungie. The sheer level of cheating in PvP right now has got a little bit out of hand, plus the Season of the Worthy generally hasn't lived up to the rather high expectations set by Season of Dawn. However, we do have to remember that this tends to happen each year and it's totally okay to play other games. Sometimes I think the community gets a little bit tired of playing Destiny, finds it hard to stop and I definitely count myself in that category right there as well. But back to Final Fantasy VII Remake and I did order a physical copy as I didn't want to download it onto my PS4 as I'm rapidly running out of hard disk space. I had to make room with deleting my saves of God of War and Red Dead Redemption 2, which was a pretty sad day, to be honest, but it'll be good to go back to those games one day. I think it was God of War's second anniversary recently, so if you're still to play that game, go out there and get it, because it's absolutely fantastic, and you can probably find it on sale. Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's fantastic so far, the combat is awesome, the story is bringing me along. I don't really have the nostalgia for the game as I was more of a Nintendo kid and this one passed me by, so I do own Final Fantasy VII on Nintendo Switch, but I've only played through the Midgar section, so once I'm done with the remake I think I'll go back and play this all the way through before the second chapter of the remake comes out. We're not really sure when that's going to happen, but it's likely to be a few years yet, and hopefully I have a review of Final Fantasy VII Remake on the next episode. So to celebrate the release of Final Fantasy VII Remake, let's have a look at the history of Final Fantasy VII.
So Final Fantasy VII Remake came out recently and it's one of the most anticipated remakes and video games of 2020. Final Fantasy VII originally came out in 1997 and was developed by Square for the original PlayStation console. It was developed by Square in Japan before they became Square Enix and it was released by Sony Computer Entertainment to Western audiences and was the first Final Fantasy series to get a PAL release. So the game follows Cloud Strife, a mercenary who joins up with an eco-terrorist group called Avalanche. They're trying to stop a mega corporation from sucking the lifeblood from the planet via their Maka reactors. So Cloud and Avalanche, they get closer throughout the game while they try to chase down Sephiroth. He's a superhuman seeking to harm the planet. The game, it was the first in the series to use a combination of video, 3D character models overlaid on 2D environments. More science fiction elements were introduced to the series, however the gameplay mechanics remain fairly similar to the previous entries. There were a few new additions including materia, limit breaks and a whole bunch of new minigames. The game had about 100 staff and a combined development and marketing budget of $80 million, which was absolutely huge for the time. There was a promotional campaign behind the game and it received widespread commercial and critical success. To this day, it's regarded as one of the best video games of all time. It won numerous Game of the Year awards and was acknowledged for boosting the sales of the PlayStation and helping make RPGs popular on consoles. The graphics, the music, the gameplay and the story all received really high praise, although the English localization did receive some criticism. So the initial concepts for Final Fantasy VII were created in 1994 at Square, and this followed on from a highly successful Final Fantasy VI. It was initially going to release on the SNES, however the development was postponed so the team could help out on completing Chrono Trigger. Once that was done, the team got back together to discuss the next steps in 1995. So the team did discuss continuing using the 2D style similar to that of Final Fantasy VI, however the team decided to take a risk and make a new 3D style game. They were yet to decide on the cartridge based SNES or the CD-ROM based PlayStation. The final decision was influenced by two things. There was a successful tech demo of Final Fantasy VI using the new soft image 3D software and the rapidly rising prices of cartridges. Tests were done with the early Nintendo 64 software using the 64 disk drive, however this was discarded early on due to the low frame rate and the estimated need for 30, yes 30, you heard that right, 64 DD discs to run Final Fantasy VII as the creators had intended. Square chose the Sony PlayStation and shifted not only Final Fantasy VII but all future projects onto that new platform. The gameplay itself remained largely unchanged from earlier Final Fantasy games such as 5 and 6, however the graphics and the audio were completely overhauled. Due to the 3D environments, the battle scenes benefited greatly from the sheer scale of enemies, something that was hard to translate in the 2D environments. Producer Sakaguchi placed a lot of emphasis on the battle system and proposed a new system called Materia to provide players with more customization than the previous Final Fantasy games. Battles would no longer rely on skills and abilities of individual players, but these materia modifications could be added into the battle. Artist Tetsura Nomura developed the Limit Break system as an evolution of the Desperation Attacks found in Final Fantasy VI. So Limit Breaks served a purpose, but also allowed the character's personality to shine through. Square now had the resources and the ambition to create the game they wanted. They had extensive capital from the earlier success of other Final Fantasy titles, which meant they could focus on the quality and the scale rather than working around a limited budget. 
At the time, Final Fantasy VII was one of the most expensive video games ever made, costing about $40 million. Development of the final version took about 100 to 150 people and just over a year to complete. So to put this into context, a typical team working on a game at the time was about 20 people, and the team, they were split across Square's Japan and LA offices. Final Fantasy VII was announced in February 1996, and Square released a playable demo at the 1996 Tokyo Game Show. The game's initial release date was 1996, however the date was pushed back a year so the team could fully realise their version of the game. Final Fantasy VII was finally released on the 31st of January 1997 in Japan. Success in the Japanese market had almost been taken for granted, however Western audiences were another matter completely. JRPGs were still fairly niche outside of Japan, Sony was struggling at the time against Nintendo and Sega's consoles and lobbied for the publishing rights outside of Japan. Sony offered huge royalty deals with profits potentially equaling what Square would get from self-publishing the game, and it was pretty much an offer that Square couldn't refuse and they accepted. So Square didn't have Western audience experience and wasn't certain of the game's success as previous titles like Final Fantasy VI weren't big international hits outside of Japan. Sony and Square launched a huge three-month advertising campaign in August 1997 with TV commercials that ran alongside Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, Late Night with Conan O'Brien and loads of sports as well. The campaign included numerous articles in gaming and general interest magazines and ads in comics like DC and Marvel. The total worldwide marketing budget came to about 40 million, 10 million in Japan, 10 million in Europe and 20 million in North America. Unlike other games in the Final Fantasy series, it didn't have its number adjusted. For example, Final Fantasy VI is Final Fantasy III in North America and Europe. It was released in North America on September 7th, 1997, and the game released in Europe on November 17th, becoming the first Final Fantasy game to be released in Europe. The Western version included additional elements and alterations such as streamlining of the menu and materia system, reducing the health of enemies and new visual cues to help with the navigation across the world map, adding additional cutscenes relating to Cloud's past. Final Fantasy VII received huge acclaim from audiences and reviewers, so GameFan described it as quite possibly the greatest game ever made, a quote that was later selected to be printed on the back of a re-release box. GameSpot said, Never before have technology, playability and narrative combined as well as in Final Fantasy VII. And GamePro gave it a perfect 5.0 out of 5 in all four categories, so graphics, sound, control and fun. Going on to say about the narrative, Dramatic, sentimental and touching in a way that draws you into the characters who come alive thanks to sweetly subtle body movements. So within three days of the release in Japan, Final Fantasy VII sold over 2 million copies. Computing Japan noted it was largely responsible for PlayStation's global install base, increasing from 10 million in November 1996 to 16 million in May 1997, which is a 60% increase. And according to weekly Famitsu, Final Fantasy VII sold 3.27 million units in Japan by the end of 1997. In North America, its popularity led to many retailers breaking street dates in September to meet demand. So, in the opening week, the game sold 330,000 copies and made $16.5 million, and that was higher than any other video game to date, beating the previous record of Star Fox at 300,000 sales. It went on to sell half a million copies in less than three weeks, and this continued for the opening months with Sony reporting 1 million in sales by December 1997. 
This led to business analyst Edward Williams to comment, Sony redefined the RPG category and expanded the conventional audience with the launch of Final Fantasy VII. Worldwide, the PlayStation version sold 9.34 million units by March 2003, including 3.9 million units in Japan and 5.4 million units abroad, making it the highest-selling Final Fantasy game and the best-selling Square Enix title. So Final Fantasy VII, it was given numerous Game of the Year awards in 1997. During the Academy of Interactive Arts and Science, the first International Interactive Achievement Award, now known as the DICE Awards, Final Fantasy VII won in the categories of Console Adventure Game of the Year, Console RPG of the Year, and it was also nominated for Interactive Title of the Year and Outstanding Achievement in Art and Graphics. So Final Fantasy VII is credited as having the largest impact of the Final Fantasy series, and GameSpot ranked it as the second most influential game ever made in 2002. In 2007, GamePro ranked it as 14th on their list of the most important games of all time, and in 2009 it was ranked the same place on their list of the most influential and innovative games of all time. The game is credited with allowing console RPGs to gain mass market appeal outside of Japan, so RPGs were a niche genre in North America up until Final Fantasy VII introduced the genre to a mainstream audience there, and it was the first Final Fantasy title released in Europe. According to Gene Park of the Washington Post, it single-handedly put RPGs, and according to Sony Computer Entertainment founder and PlayStation architect Ken Kutaragi, Final Fantasy VII was a driving force that propelled gaming forward, along with the PlayStation, and the game contributed to growing global awareness of Japanese pop culture along with anime. With the announcement and development of the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, speculation spread that an enhanced remake of the original Final Fantasy VII would be released for the PlayStation 3. This conjecture was sparked at 2005's E3 with the release of a video featuring the opening sequence of Final Fantasy VII using the PlayStation 3's graphical capabilities. Throughout the lifespan of the PS3, Square Enix stated that such a game was not in development. An HD episodic remake was eventually announced at E3 2015 for the PlayStation 4. Well that's it for the history of Final Fantasy VII and I'm definitely looking back to go and play in that one after I finish off the remake. Uh, definitely need that context for when the uh, other parts of the remake come out. Well, if you're enjoying this week in video games podcast, then head on over to iTunes, and it'd be great if you could leave us a nice review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. So, if you've got access to iTunes, it'd be really fantastic if you could give it a review. And don't forget, this week in video games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast. The YouTube channel has got the entire archive of the podcast, as well as reviews, interviews, features, loads and loads of stuff. So, search this week in video games and subscribe today for all that latest content. Well, next up, let's check out my review of Gato Roboto. If you tell me that the premise for your game is a tiny cat in a mech suit, then I'm sold. Luckily, Gato Roboto is exactly that. It's a nice little Metroidvania, it's short but extremely fun, coming from Doinksoft and Devolver Digital. So Metroidvanias, they've been made really popular over the last few years and Gato Roboto is a nice addition to that collection. 
So we start out on a ship with its captain talking to mission command and he's accompanied by his tiny cat. As we fly over an alien planet something suddenly happens to cause the ship to fail and we have to crash land on the planet. Unfortunately the captain has been taken out and he can't move so he asks his tiny cat to jump into a mech suit and help. It's a simple premise and introduces us to the main protagonist as well as one of the main mechanics in the game. The fact that you're a little cat who can jump in and out of a mech suit and other vehicles later on in the game allows the game to present to you puzzles and battle sequences in different forms. Our little cat friend can get into gaps that the mech suit cannot, allowing you to traverse the landscape and get into nooks and crannies that otherwise would be unavailable. There's a decent amount of humour in the game too, with the captain telling himself off for talking to a cat in the first place. The captain acts as a narrator to the story, giving the cat advice on where to go and what to do, as well as offering up funny moments of dialogue. So for example, he gets frustrated when he's never sure the cat is listening, as he can only answer with a simple meow. The movement in the game feels really fluid, fast and solid too. So as the tiny cat, you can run, jump and swim, you can clamber up walls and get into small spaces as often cats find themselves doing. Getting into the mech suit changes your abilities and crucially your arsenal with a standard blaster at the start, followed by upgrades like rockets a bit later on. There's standard Metroidvania fare here with a map that opens up, you've got rooms and secrets yet to be discovered, and those new areas open up once you get new abilities and can aid your exploration. There's vendors in the game too where you can buy upgrades, and again there's like really funny moments here woven into these encounters. So when you first meet one of these vendors who's a frog in a mech suit, he comments on our little kitty friend by stating, ha, well I'm one to talk, right? When referring to what an odd scene that is. And it I guess a cat in a mech suit talking to a frog in a mech suit not your not your everyday conversation so the thing that sets this game apart from others is the switching between modes and the contrast between styles when you're simply the cat running and exploring compared to when you're in the mech suit the puzzles and the level design are complementing each other through the design choice as you can only get so far in either mode as a mech cat you can blast your way through walls with rockets but touch some water and you'll take damage Jump out the mech suit and you'll be able to run around with speed and freedom, leaving your mech suit where it is so you can pick it up later on. Quickly run through a small gap, solve a puzzle and get back into the suit to continue your journey. There's save points dotted around the map and these restore health and provide you mechs as you go. You've only got a few hit points so it's best to avoid or destroy enemies as they get closer. There's a variety of enemies and environments like squid swimming through the area and alien like pods that eject bugs that fly and try and attack you. The graphics and the audio are really retro with its overall monochrome feel and pixel art style and music that could have come out of the 80s. Sometimes it feels like 2001, the music is fantastic. The game, it may feel retro but it's certainly not lacking in detail with environments full to the brim with character like the talking computers, check-ins with the captain and the underground facilities. There's a really nice feel to the game making it a joy to play with speed and it'll keep you thinking about the game long after you put in the controller down. Gato Roboto has some really good boss battles too, first of which includes a battle against a lifelong opponent of a mouse in an even bigger mech suit than our cat has. Boss battles, they've got a few phases which change up the mechanics of the fight, which have you bouncing around the screen using your full arsenal of abilities in an effort to take them down. The game itself is not too hard, but it'll provide enough of a challenge to keep you entertained and engaged. It's a really well put together package that had me hooked from the start to the finish. It's not a long game, it's somewhere in the region of 2-3 hours for a full playthrough and there's plenty of secrets to find and you're unlikely to find everything on your first time through the game. 
It can feel a little bit familiar, but the polish on the game as a whole package is undeniable, making Gato Roboto a worthwhile purchase that will provide you with a great gaming experience. So the developer is Doinksoft and it's published by Devolver Digital. It's available for PC, Nintendo Switch and it's available on Xbox Game Pass 2. Originally released on May the 30th, 2019, I gave the game a final score of 75 out of 100. Well, let me know what you think of Gator Roboto by signing up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thisweekinvideogames. So next up, I had a chance to sit down with Peter from Walkabout Games to talk about Liberated. It's a really stylish comic book style game coming to Nintendo Switch really soon. So let's go over to that interview now. Okay, so welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here with Peter from Walkabout Games, talking about Liberated. So how are you doing, Peter? Well, uh, fine <laughs> regarding the times that we are living in. It's weird how you see, like, you read all of these books about the globalization, and we conquered death, illness, uh, and poverty, and it seems like we didn't, because one small virus can froze the whole world for, like, a month right now. So it's like we're just passing in Poland the first month of a total lockdown. So it's really weird how it seems like you can manage to live without hairdresser, clubs, bars, restaurants, cinema, stuff like that. And how how has the uh, the sort of current global situation affected uh, how you're sort of working with the team and things like that? Uh, so we are a small team. So uh, I'm from publishing side. So our work with the dev team was kind of remote, remote all the time. Uh, but and we were lucky because the game is now not being polished. So we are after the development. So right now we don't need the whole team to be in one place. Uh, so I guess we kind of lucky. Uh, but we adjusting to the new uh, to the new situation and learning new tools like video conferencing, doing tasks online stuff like that. I think it's easier for us because our teams are small and we don't require that much of a security as the AAA titles. Like imagine how much work CD Projekt has to put in to do a remote work for all the employees. Yeah. Like remember they got like this leak from The Witcher, I think two or three. And after that, they did like all the public clouds like Google, they did their own. So imagine doing all the security things on all the computers in different homes. Like it must have been crazy and it's amazing work, work done by the security team from the Project Red. So, um, so we're here today primarily to talk about Liberated, which looks yes. like a fantastic... Uh, it looks really, really cool. It's uh, I, I, I was really struck by the the visuals, first of all. Um, and so I was wondering if you could tell us uh, a little bit more about Liberated. Okay, so, so let me start by, by telling that what we did is we tried to create a new format of narrative uh, because we love comic books and graphic novels and we, I strongly believe that right now they look the huge shadow of Marvel and DC movies. So either you have a blockbuster movie or nobody cares about your comic book, of course. They're like fans, but comic books and graphic novels are becoming more and more niche uh, because everything now is happens in cinema, right? Um, so, so what we try to do is what we're trying to give like a second life or, or, or a second breath to, to, to this genre by adding uh, interactivity and gameplay to them. Uh, so I know like that every other element was there in the world. So you have a game like Comic Zone, you've got the games like Thirteen. 
but I think nobody did what we did with Liberated, so put together a digital comic book with a gameplay mechanics. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is, while you play Liberated, you partly are a part of a digital comic book. So you can play, just hear some sounds, sometimes make a small choices, uh, which will branch a story. And sometimes you go into the frame and play uh, and play a part of a story as a, as, as a one of, of characters. So we called this framework Playbographic Novel. Liberated is a first uh, uh, case study. So we want to show people what can be done with it. Uh, we will be more than happy to work on different uh, IPs, genres, art styles, and, and gameplay elements uh, with, with this format. But Liberated is our IP, so, so, so I'll jump right uh, into it. Uh, we chose Cyberpunk World and Cyberpunk Dystopia as our main scene uh, because uh, we are from Poland, so we played a lot of pen and paper RPGs back in the 90s, and one of them was Cyberpunk, and we started to realize that uh, the headlines of the news stories are like a summaries of the short stories from Cyberpunk World, like back in the 80s, like imagine that you are right, reading right now that the malware locked out all the uh, guests of the hotel and demanded a ransom, right? So, so this is like the news. Back then, it was a science fiction story. Um, so we wanted to capture uh, capture this feeling and, and prepare people for what will come. Uh, and with Liberated, we want to ask some serious questions because we, we believe that there are some serious questions to be asked right now. And if we uh, won't ask them and answer them, somebody will do it for us. Even right now with this uh, pandemic situation, you can see how how much your views can change between privacy and freedom. So, so, so one of the, 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 the latest news is that Apple and Google will work together to see who are you meeting with, and the data will be available to, to the government, right? And and I, I'm sure people will will uh, will do it because it will help to fight the pandemic. I, I will do it, but still, it's a question. Is, is it only the government that will access this data or will this data be available after the pandemic? Will the system be, be break into? And I can tell you every system can be broken, it can be breached into. Uh, so with Liberated, we are trying to, to, to do it. The whole story is divided into issues because not only we want to feel like you're having a comic book and read it, but also like you're collecting them. Um, uh, so we are launching with, with four issues, each of them will have its own character and we'll try to show you the world from different perspectives because as I said before, we think these are complex issues which need to be shown from different points of view because there are no easy answers for, for the questions asked. Um, and we don't want to tell you who is right or wrong, but, but in the game we'll ask you at the end what do you think about it. That sounds really cool, man. Um, I'm uh, just by the, like I said before, just by the visuals, it got re got me really hyped up. But the fact there that you say you're kind of asking challenging questions, you're talking cyberpunk, you're talking about uh, ethics, I guess, uh, in, yeah, in a way there. When we started developing the, the game, it we started like two and a half years ago. Uh, this is the third version of the game. We threw like two, two previous ones, we threw out because it was really hard for us to like to do to to capture this feeling of reading a paper comic book or graphic novel uh, and establishing the art style establishing the gameplay so, so so this this version of the game is being developed for a year i think right now 
Um, but yeah, wh- wh- when we started, like with credit, credit citizen credit system from China was like, we thought about it, that it would be cool to add, but really dystopian. And then China happened and said, like, well, we must like really do more pressure of a development of a game because soon the reality will be more weirder than our game. So you touched on it a little bit there. Um, you mentioned about gameplay mechanics. Could you could you explain um, the the kind of types of gameplay mechanics in the game? Yeah. So so we've got like two point two two point half uh, D uh, action platformer gameplay. We've got shooting, stealth, environmental puzzles, and logic puzzles. Within these four chapters of a game, you can sometimes uh, uh, see a quick time event and sometimes a, a, sh- a, sh- a story uh, choice, a choice from a story which will branch it a little bit, but not like huge branch. Event. We will let you just skip a part of a story uh, if you do another choice. You call you control the game by between stick mechanics, so it's oh, nice. stick. You mentioned as well before the the games develop with the playable graphic novel framework. Tell us a little bit more about how that came into into being. So we love to think like the graphic novels, of course, and video games, and we thought why nobody ever combined them, and and we know that com- Shadow uh, Comic Zone exists, but still you didn't have the possi- possibility to to be a part of a comic book. You could either have a game of a comic book story or aesthetics, but you never were able to like be a part and have experience of reading interactive comic book. And even if in our demo verse, like the scene when we put a lot of work uh, 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 to design like the frames, how they should work or, or the, the view on the screen with the frames. So you know that even that you are playing the characters, there are other frames around. And 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 I, I I need to tell this. We don't break the fourth wall like Comic Zone does. Our characters don't know that they are a part of comic book. So, so so you are the reader. We capture the feeling of you reading the interactive graphic novel. What are some of the uh, graphic novels that inspired you um, to make this game? Uh, so we went for the best, like Before Vendita, of course, Frank Miller's uh, Sin City, stuff like that. Uh, of course, with uh, with a cyberpunk, uh, we did a very naked, awesome Polish author. I think he's a genius one called Jacek Dukaj. There will be his show on the Netflix uh, uh, based on the old Axolotl story soon. So I strongly recommend everyone to read it and wait for the show. Uh, but also like the classic, of course, of, of course, classic pen and paper cyberpunk 2020 game. William Gibson. Uh, 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 Richard Morgan with with his uh, uh, altered carbon, yes. Uh, but Mr. Robot is also a really good reference. Uh, and we, as I said before, take a lot of time for our present. Like we just read the news and see how the world goes. Like if you read a little bit, a little bit more into security news, like what what was not Petya malware attack? It was a cyber attack from one country to another, which froze. Uh, one country, the whole IT infrastructure, and by accident also hit Mars, which is like the biggest shipping company. So like nearly 70% of the ships stopped and didn't work. So this is our present. It's not like a science fiction story. So I think like the most, I think like the uh, cyberpunk is now vibe should be really strong within the game and, and, and it is in our reality. And um, so the game was featured in uh, December's Nintendo Indie World Showcase. 
Yes. Uh, so how how did that feel, and what was the what was the reaction? Uh, I think like we weren't that known before this event. Like like we were in talks because we 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 traveled to a lot of shows to show the game to Paxis to uh, to Gamescom. But when Nintendo captured uh, the liberated, uh, I think it was Pax uh, and made made the proposition. We were really really happy. And after this, like. You have this feeling that now you're known because of, 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 of because of uh, fan base and how many people watch this Nintendo 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 directs and indie worlds. So it gets a lot easier for indie game. Like even then, after when we went to our uh, the, the, the one and only event this year, so Pax Pax Boston, people uh, when they're going coming to us to play the game, they say I, I've seen this game on Nintendo Indie World. So so yeah, it's amazing. And thank Nintendo for letting us be a part of this amazing show do you have a rough timeline for when that's coming or is that still so uh... I, I i think i've said here that we are polishing the game so probably not <laughs> and we we need to be in q2 so this gives like a really small small amount of time when the game should ship uh, i don't want to make any promises but you can figure out which month i'm talking about uh that the pc version should it be that far along from from the switch one and um, so if, if people want to find out more about Liberated, uh, have you got any social media or websites yes. you want to shout We're out? We're active on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, and of course our Steam page and Nintendo eShop page. But, but like our main activity, I think, is Steam and Twitter. Thank you for letting us know about Liberated. I wanted to move slightly away from Liberated the game and talk a little bit more about um, Walkabout Games. So you mentioned earlier that you're on the kind of publishing side. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about uh, Walkabout Games. Yes, so we started like three years ago as a studio investor. We, we built like three teams. Uh, one of them, of course, is making Liberated, uh, so that's, that's known. Uh, other two are different tales. It's really one to look out for because this is the guys that made the first Witcher. And I know because you are from Poland, so like everybody was doing the Witchers in some, some way, except me probably. But these guys like the lead of the game, the lead of the production and the lead of the story. Uh, so different tales team, like uh, they were founded like one year ago. And they love to travel, so the first game is the game that captures the feeling of traveling to distant countries. It's a text-based adventure with beautiful photos, like really, a really well-written story. So it's kind of like a book. Um, so I, I, we just released like a standalone sequel or addition called Wanderlust Transiberian about Transiberian Travel. By train, uh, the, so uh, and we won a lot of awards and captured. Uh, it was really critically acclaimed. Uh, as for the small indie game, what they did, our third studio was called Polyamorous, and they are making the game called Paradise Lost, uh, which will be something beautiful in terms of graphic and the story and narrative. I cannot tell more right now about because uh, because I can't, but you should also wait because soon there'll be some nice announcements about this game. Uh, so we started as an investor and it turned out that the games that were some unique and uh, and on the borderlines of different genres uh, of art, because as I said before, Wanderlust is between like literature and video games and Liberated is between graphic novels and video games. So we weren't that popular with publishers. So we decided because we strongly believe that you should try to do something new uh, and experiment with, with video games as, uh, as an art. 
so we started to publish these games ourselves. Our first was, as I said, Wonderlust, and second will be Liberated. And um, I guess you, you must be in a really busy time at the minute, like, like you say, polishing uh, Liberated. Can you can you give us yeah. any? <laughs> I know, I know, it must be super busy. So I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to, to talk to me today. But can you give us any idea about what um, what your next project's going to be? Uh, so we are in the talks. I can say that with like really awesome. Uh, uh, IP owners about making the game, the next different Tales games, uh, uh, which will be in the vibe on the Wanderlust. And I'm really, really excited about it because it's one of my favorite settings in the world. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy to be a part of this. Also, different Tales is preparing their next, uh, their next project, which which will be a little bit different than Wanderlust. Uh, in terms of, of PGN uh, and Deliberated, we talk with IP owners, with one comic book uh, IP owner and one huge gaming license about possible cooperation. So, so yeah. There's lots lots of exciting projects in the yeah. world. Sound yeah, but it. as you know, you, uh, we really fingers crossed to make them happen, but still it's, it's early, so we'll see what will come out, out of it. And of course, uh, Polyamorous is finishing the very game, so so they will announce that the round date soon. Well, that's, that, that's brilliant. So I wanted to um, finally sort of talk a little bit about you, and uh, um, I was wondering, how did you kind of first get into the games industry? So it's funny because uh, I first came into game industry, I think, in late 90s, early 2000s, because I was a huge fan of RPG games, pen and paper, and I ran the local fan club in my in my town. And then I was asked to join like a, like a, the biggest uh, RPG uh, magazine in Poland called Sword and Sorcery. So uh, in that time, if you were there, and everybody who is now making games and is huge in Poland were playing RPG. So, so you get to know like everybody, people from the Witcher team, people from Cyberpunk, people from the Dying Light, from Techland. So all these people get to know each other because of, of, of the common denominator, which is RPG games in the 90s and 2000s. So after that, after that uh, I was hired by Metropolis Software to do a game which never came out. So uh, I think it was 2002, or something like that. Uh, then uh, uh, the publisher broke the contract, we were not, have no money, so I went into my second hobby, which was uh, IT, and I was a system administrator and security advisor for different companies for, some, for many years. And after that, uh, when I was doing an SAP administration, I get bored in my job. So I started doing a blog about video games because I couldn't read any other that were in Poland. And I get popular and got bought by one of the huge media company. So then I was like a journalist, a video game journalist, and then tech and video game journalist for around, I think, 10 years. And then after it, got hard in media i switched to uh, pr and marketing first for startups then for gaming e-commerce and right now in walkabout games as publishing site wow so is are there are there any jobs that you haven't done (laughs) oh well i don't know yeah like of course i have a huge variety of physical jobs and administrative jobs but 
but at, but in the like marketing journalism and PR, not that many that I didn't do. If someone came to you uh, and said, "Oh, you know, I'm really interested in getting into the games industry," what you know, with your with your wealth of experience, what advice would you give them? Start doing them, like uh, like find either find some people that you want to do it with, or join a studio as an intern and and just do the stuff. I think the best way of breaking into some industry is doing uh, doing stuff with people who are in the industry. Like there's no other way as knowing people, talking to them, working with them, exp- sharing your experiences, uh, and not to be like painting the ass guy who asks for everything, but also read a lot and then come with like real problems, not like basic ones. But 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 I also I always tell everybody if you want to be a journalist or a blogger or a YouTuber, just start doing uh, writing or recording. Your first uh, materials will be awful; nobody will like them. But after like a hundred, you will get better. So just just start and just kind of get going. Just 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 do. Make mistakes, learn from them, and get to know people. Go to the trade shows. Go go uh, go to the meetings if you can, of course, and because you can, yeah, if you can, if you can uh, talk to people and do the stuff. Because otherwise, you will just always thinking about doing this, not doing this. And um, I know you're busy at the moment with um, polishing up uh, Liberated, but do, do you get to play uh, any games in your spare time, be it tabletop games or, or video yes. games? Yes, yes, because we are just quarantine right, right now so so i get to i get to play uh so i have some time to play uh i finished life is strange 2 finally uh, i was a really huge fan of the series and i think the I, I really love how this series has grown up and how the story and the uh and the narrative of, of, a, of a series went up uh so and i love how sad my ending was uh so that's one uh i tried hidden agenda which I bought, like I think, when it launched, and never got to play it. And I must say, I'm really intrigued by how cool this shared experience of of, of making choices with a group while watching interactive movie is. Uh, I must say that Polish dubbing sucks like a lot, and it should be banned to do such a bad dubbing. But the concept of this play link, I think, games it's really awesome. I also downloaded Ice Combat 7, which I stopped playing like a year ago, and I still suck at Mission 6, so now <laughs> I need to ask my kids to help me, like, went through it, and and I tried Final Fantasy Remake, and I think I'm too old. I played the original one when it launched, and then got stuck into for like 100 hours, and right now, I think I'm too old for long games. I don't have that many time on my hand to... Well, the Red Dead Redemption was like the one example, and The Witcher 3, but then I didn't play like any other game for a year to be able to finish them. And uh, there's loads of... Uh, indie RPGs out there at the moment as well. There's some, there's some really, really fantastic games. Um, you should watch out for Game Deck because this one made you a really cool game, and our friends are making it from Unsure Studios. Oh, you have to, you have to send me the link of that one, and I'll, okay, uh, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And um, so, my final question: um, what, what games are you looking forward to in 2020? Uh, of course, Cyberpunk, because but uh, uh, not that as a new Witcher, because I'm really like I if I've got RPG like with a first person perspective, it, like really turns me off. I don't know why, but but still, Cyberpunk is a game I'm I'm really looking forward to. Apart from that, I'm I'm 
trying to work my back catalog, so not really looking into the future right now. I'm, but I'm really excited for new consoles. I'm a huge console player, so uh, I really want to see what PS5 and new Xbox uh, will do and how how they improve uh, and, and change the video games uh, as a genre or as, a, as an art form. Uh, because I, I would really like to see something, new ways of interacting with the games. I was hoping for like the Kinect and, and the and the iToy cameras to, to, to change something. Like I was imagining like the game could check how you feel and react and adapt to the narrative to it, right? Like you, because you can sense the emotions via camera right now. But it didn't happen. So I would like to see what is next in video games world. I was I was really impressed recently. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a weird little example, but I bought Ring Fit Adventure recently for Nintendo oh, yeah. Switch, <laughs> and uh, just because we're we're stuck at home, and I kind of wanted to um, rather than just watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. R- rather than watch YouTube videos, um, I I really sort of uh, I much prefer sort of gamification of everything. And yeah, uh, one thing I was really impressed in in that game is. Um, you can put your thumb over the infrared uh, sensor and it will take your pulse after you've done some exercises. So I thought that was a really nice uh, bit of interaction design. Yeah, uh, and I must say, like, if you're looking for innovation, like Nintendo's the one to watch because they are not afraid to experiment and even if they fail, like with you, nobody is doing so much like look into the future and try to change the way you interact with your video game as they do so like i love them for this like even with, with ds with, with 3ds with wii u wii and now switch what what did you think of the um, playstation 5 controller uh, when they when they released that well it's like it, it looks okay like no big changes for me like it basically looks the same as the old the older ones I, I I would I I really like to see the changes that Mike Cerny was talking about with loading times uh, and how you will be able to load all the map to the memory of the game. So you won't have this like corridors that you know that you are a part of the game. Uh, so I'm really curious about that. And of course, the thing about taking the picture of your ear was like really funny. <laughs> 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 like, like, because when, when you remember, like they did a lot of mistakes with marketing the PS3. Like it was kind of a train wreck back then. Yeah. And now the, the opening conference for PS5, like the first ever showing of the, of the PS5 with Mike Cerner, it was really like hardcore talk for game designers but they knew that gamers would watch it was like kind of a funny to see like the things happening again it was uh, originally planned as a gdc talk, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? But yeah yeah it was but for me it shouldn't be advertised through the gamers and, and casual gaming media like not casual but but like mainstream gaming media it was like really for game developers which who took a lot from what Sony has to offer to, to them in the next generation. But like, I think like 90% of the gamers didn't, didn't, didn't understand or didn't bother what was said back then. So it's like a missed opportunity, but missed opportunity for, for, for showing your, your, your hardware and a lot of, lot of space for this, like, uh, this funny incidents, like taking, taking picture of your ear or this old like charts that nobody understood. <laughs> It feels like um, Microsoft are coming out really strong next generation with the with the hardware and the service on the services side as well with Game Pass. They seem to be really just knocking it out of the park at the moment. 
we love the Game Pass. Like I, I really love a subscription model. I'm I'm a fan of it from like many many years. I even wrote when I was a journalist when Antico, but I don't want to buy stuff. I want to uh, rent it, and I, I I don't buy physical copies of anything that I don't have to like for like I think like ten years right now. It's really I, and I and I'm willing to pay more not to have things on my shelf that I never used. Like because I I, I found out I was robbed like many years ago. Uh, and it turned out that when I lost all my games and all my movies, I couldn't name them what what's missing. Uh, so then I found out that I, maybe I don't need them in my life, like uh, to have these physical copies. And right now my kid, like, he also doesn't want the physical copies uh, of the games because I think one of the game discs was broken. And he told me, like, this is the last time you're, you're buying me a, a DVD with a game because if we had it on, like, PlayStation Network, I would have re-downloaded re it. And right now it's broken and we need to pay for it again. Uh, so, yeah, uh, and the way they, the, the subscription service makes you discover uh, uh, other titles, niche titles, and how they can found uh, the development of the smaller games is amazing to us. So, so big thanks to Microsoft for making a Game Pass happen and also to Apple Arcade and PlayStation Now. Uh, well... Peter, I've, I've taken up loads of your time today. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us on oh, this week's video game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for, for anyone who wants to uh, check out Liberated, uh, check out the links down in the show notes. Um, but once again, uh, Peter, do you want to um, give a shout out for those social media accounts so people can find you? Oh, so it's Twitter. It's I think it's at Liberated Game. Uh, and it's Liberated on Steam, of course. And I think it's liberated on Facebook. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, talk to you, and uh, good luck with the launch of Liberated. Thank you. See you soon. I hope. Well, that was me there talking to Peter, and and thank you once again for taking the time to talk to us on this week in video games. And Liberated really, really looks fantastic. So keep an eye out for that one. Next up, let's have a look at the charts. So at 10 this week, we've got Ring Fit Adventure, and that's up a whopping 15 places from last week's number 25. So I managed to pick up a copy of Ring Fit Adventure 2, and uh, I've got to say, it's a whole lot of fun and uh, really, really leave you knackered. <laughs> number 9 this week, it's Luigi's Mansion 3, and that was last week's number 16. Number 8 this week, it's Resident Evil 3, that's down one place from last week's number 7. Seven this week, it's our old friend Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Number six this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, up three places from last week's number nine. Number five this week, it's Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number four this week, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake, and that was last week's number one. Number three this week, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, down one place from last week's number two. Number two this week, Animal Crossing New Horizons, that's up one place from last week's number three. And number one this week is FIFA 20, and that's up three places from last week's number four. Definitely interesting to see Ring Fit Adventure there back in the UK all-platform top ten, and uh, no doubt that's probably due to lockdown and people wanting to get some exercise inside. Really, really hard to get hold of that one. I had to have all kind of alerts set up on websites, so... Amazon was sold out, Argos wouldn't deliver it, I just couldn't get hold of it anywhere, but finally an alert came in, it was an instant buy. I must say, it's really, really good fun, and uh, if you've got an original Nintendo Switch, then I definitely recommend picking up Ring Fit Adventure, and I think I'll be reviewing it on next week's episode, where I'll be having a look at fitness games in general. So next up, let's have a look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. 
So in the next few weeks, we've got quite a lot of games coming out. So we've got Gears Tactics, that's coming out on PC, that's April the 28th. We've got loads of games coming out on the 28th as well. So we've got Moving Out, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We've got Sakura Wars, that's coming out on PS4. We've got Snow Runner, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. We've got Telling Lies, that's PS4, Xbox One and Switch. And we've got The Inner Friend, that's coming out on PS4 and Xbox One. On the 29th, we've got Dread Nautical, that's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Then on the 30th, we've got a few games. We've got Level Head on Xbox One, Switch, PC, iOS, and Android. Streets of Rage 4, definitely looking forward to that one. That's on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Then on May the 1st, we've got Arcade Spirits, that's PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. On the 5th of May, we've got a few games. So we've got Forza Street, that's a mobile game coming out on iOS and Android. We've got John Wick Hex, that's coming out on PS4. We've got Someday You'll Return, coming out on PC. Then on the 7th of May, we've got another few games. We've got Lonely Mountains Downhill, finally coming to Nintendo Switch. We've got Sonic at the Olympic Games, Tokyo 2020, that's iOS and Android. We've got Void Bastards, coming to PS4 and Switch. And we've got Wavy the Rocket, coming out on PC. So loads of games there to look forward to, and I think out of that list, Streets of Rage 4 looks really, really good, and I intend to pick that one up and review that on the next episode of the podcast. So next up, let's have a look at what I've been doing outside of gaming. So this week, we had the final episode of the current series of Better Call Saul. It's got to be one of the best TV shows out there right now, so if you haven't seen it, then i definitely recommend it. It might be worth watching Breaking Bad, as you'll probably appreciate the callbacks a little bit more, but this could be enjoyed as a standalone series itself. I really enjoyed this season and it was sad to learn that next year we're going to be getting the final season of that series. But really good, the acting is amazing, you feel really really tense as you're watching. Ultimately the payoff is really really good so I definitely recommend Better Call Saul. Also I've been re-watching The Wire having not seen it for about 15 years. Started again with series 1 and it's great to get back into it as something long and ongoing to help get through the lockdown period. Probably one of the original binge worthy series with I guess The Sopranos is probably the other one. So if you haven't seen it, then now is a great time to jump into The Wire. The detail of the world, the characters, the great plot, it all drives you forward, making it really hard to turn off. So you can check that one out. And if you're in the UK, you can get that on Now TV. Well, that's it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, get in contact through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. And uh, I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram to search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in that conversation. Well, thanks again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you had a good week. I'll talk to you next time. But for now... I'll see you soon.